Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. This is Matt Liner, and you're listening to Reign of Troy Radio. Reign of Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Could I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Get Michael Castillo on the phone. <laughs> Scrap, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. Oh, I can't believe USB is five and seven and not going to a ball. Oh. Alright Trojan fans, turn up the volume. It's time for Reign of Troy Radio. Here's your host, Michael Castillo. Hello everybody, welcome back to Reign of Troy Radio, episode 327, coming to you on Thursday, August 27th. We're going to talk about our season predictions going into the 2019 USC football season. We're also going to open up the mailbag, take your questions, take your over-unders, and so much here on this episode. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Reign of Troy, like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Reign of Troy. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, Google Play, and Spreaker. Our bonus episodes are on Patreon, patreon.com slash Reign of Troy. Our email address is Reign of Troy at fansided.com, and our phone number is 213-373-1872. I'm your host, Michael Castillo. Join along with my co-host, Alicia Derto. Hello, everybody. Hello, Alicia. It is game week. Game week. There will be a football game played this week. Game week. Yeah. It, I mean, it's already here. That's It's crazy to me. I know we do this every offseason where we marvel at how quickly it's all gone by, but we're, we're literally single-digit days away from USC football. We're just a couple days from actual real like live games being played on Thursday uh, mm-hmm. UCLA and and BYU and Utah and there's some really intriguing games from a USC perspective just to get to watch USC's opponents on Thursday so i mean it's it's here guys it is absolutely here we are talking like ready to go here yeah hey there were games this past weekend Florida Miami uh Arizona Hawaii uh one of them was really exciting the other one was really sloppy <laughs> Uh, well, both of them were sloppy, but uh, entertaining nonetheless. But yeah, USC football is back four days away, folks. Four days away. Uh, and there's a lot of stuff. We're going to be doing podcasts all freaking week. So this is our annual season predictions episode. We're going to go down USC's schedule, give you wins and losses, tell you what our win-loss projections are, uh, and so much more. Talking about over-unders and all that kind of stuff. But also on Thursday, we're going to have our USC versus Fresno State game preview episode. First of the year, make our score predictions, play some over under, talk about the uh, the Bulldogs and the Trojans and all that fun stuff on Thursday. 
Uh, and then over on Patreon, we're going to have a pregame Q&A drop on Friday. We're going to take your questions from Patreon all about the Trojans and the Bulldogs, uh, all about the matchup, anything you guys want to ask us going into that game. We're going to do it over on Patreon, patreon.com slash reign of Troy. And now it's really the perfect time to sign up. I know we always say that, but the season's just starting, which means there's pregame Q&As. There's also going to be a rewatch that you're going to put together, Alicia, on Sunday, breaking down the game, going back and agonizing over every little play and all that kind of stuff over on Patreon, patreon.com slash reign of Troy. You can get all of our bonus content for as little as five fifty-five per month. And at the five fifty-five level and the $10 level, you get 25% off Reign of Troy merch. So if you want a Reign of Troy shirt and it's 25% off and the shirt's 25 bucks, you're going to save five bucks. Hey, it's 555 a month. Basically, it's like a free month, sort of, kind of. <laughs> you go ahead and spin those numbers, Michael. <laughs> Math isn't my strong suit, so I'm not, I'm not going to argue uh, your, uh, your percentages or anything like that. But it is, a, it is a great deal, and I think we do put out really good content that people seem to enjoy. So go check it out. Yeah. And it helps support the show, helps us, you know, get more equipment for the show, uh, do things like the Reign of Troy studio, go to away games and so much more. You can sign up again at patreon.com slash reign of Troy. And also now is the time to sign up for our reign of Troy pick'em league. It's back and up over on Yahoo sports, go to Yahoo sports for fantasy, look up college football, pick'em, and the group ID number is 9188. The password is Rotbot. All lowercase, R-O-T-B-O-T. We'll shoot a link on Twitter and all that. Uh, it's going to be super fun. We're picking games from the top 25 and the Pac-12. And it's there's bragging rights on the line. We I have to beat you this year. I have to. Do you have to, though? Do yeah. you really have to? My pride is on the line here. Yeah. Yeah, actually, that's probably fair. It has gotten a little sad. You you didn't even finish that high in la- last year's pick up league, anyways. <laughs> yeah, the but I always is, have the over under win. Eh, don't get cocky, or maybe you should get cocky, <laughs> and then allow me to sneak in there. There you and, go, and and get a victory. That'd be great. So, go join us uh, and join along and play some pick em with us. Uh, and also, another thing to throw your way is the meetup. The first Reign of Troy meetup of the year is on Friday night in El Segundo, August 30th, 7 p.m., Friday night, El Segundo, Rockin' Brews. We're going to be there talking about USC football, hanging out with you guys, and uh, we hope to see you. Yeah, we might even get into a little bit of a discussion about gas station etiquette because apparently you and I have very different Standards of gas station etiquette than a lot no, of people on Twitter. We're on the same page. You and I, you and I together, have a different standard for gas station etiquette than a surprising number of people on Twitter. And uh, maybe we'll have yeah. that. Maybe we'll have that out. I, I'm going to be drilling people at the uh, at the meetup about what their gas station etiquette is to just sort of like dig down deep into the psyche of people mm-hmm. who leave their car. Yeah, and you know what people I really don't understand at gas stations. The ones who park on the wrong side. Yeah. And and pull the 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 hose over the, the pump hose thing over their car? Like what are you doing, dude? I uh I, I will do that though at Costco <sighs> because the Come Costco on. ones like are literally like they're designed to do it. 
and at Costco when the line is mm. as long as Costco lines often are, like I mm. will do it. Mm-mm. I don't prefer to do it, but I will do it. Where's your tank on the left side? It's on the left, yeah. Yeah, the right. The, the left side is the right side. It's the correct side. <laughs> well, that's the problem because I think most people apparently have their tank on the left. So then yes. the other side is often a quicker line. Yeah, but like, um, we'll we'll save that for the meetup. <laughs> we'll save it for the meetup. Come, come out to the meetup to hear the rest of this discussion that is uh, yeah, totally and, random and off topic. We will give you feedback, just like the feedback we have gotten on uh, iTunes or Apple Podcasts or whatever the hell it's called now. Uh, let's talk about the new two new reviews that we got. First one comes from John USC Trojan. SC alum 2009 in Azusa. It says, great podcast. Keep up the great work, Michael and Alicia. Don't let the complainers keep you from providing the informative, enjoyable, and funny podcast you always put out. As a college professor, I am no stranger to negative reviews once in a while. Some are helpful, but some are just vindictive and petty. So please continue to do great work while also striving to improve. This podcast is my go-to stop for all things USC football. Thanks again, and as always, fight on, John. That's good. Thank you. Ah, oh, that's very nice. That's very, very uh, always, uh, always nice to hear good feedback from people. And and I, my uncle is a college professor, and I was literally just having a conversation with him about rape my professor and those kind of things. I was like, these things are kind of problematic because people don't know how to use them properly. Kind of problematic. The one with the chili pepper, like that's extremely problematic. What? What chili pepper? You don't know about the chili pepper on Rate My Professors? No. Oh, okay. We're just going to skip this conversation then. (laughs) Uh, We did get another review uh, from Florida USC fan that's titled Entertaining Podcast and Informative, five stars. Alicia and Michael do an excellent job on the podcast and website. Love the recaps and analysis of of the USC program, practices, scrimmages, and banter. Don't pay attention to the negative reviews. You two do a phenomenal job and enjoy and are enjoyable to listen to. Keep up the positive vibes for our USC football team. One suggestion, it would be great to get updates on other USC sports. There are great athletes and accomplishments in other sports like USC women, like the USC women winning the amateur golf last week. Fight on. So, yeah, thank thank you for the review. And also, thank for thank you for letting us know that USC's women's golf team is kind of awesome. It's always good to always good to. Get that message out as well. Yeah, I, they're they're good. Watch them. Um, one of the reasons we don't talk about the, those sports is because you and I are not that great of experts on things like golf. Unfortunately, yeah. I'd, I'd love to talk about those things more. G- golf is not necessarily my forte. Not gonna lie, uh, but I do appreciate USC being good. Do like, you like do you like mini golf? I do like mini golf. I'm very bad at mini golf, but I enjoy it. Just like I'm bad at bowling, but I enjoy it. Like all of those things I'm, I'm bad at generally. But It's, it's fair. Uh, but I do love to hear about, you know, I've had my talk about like USC exceptionalism. I like when USC wins the Crosstown uh, gauntlet. I love when USC is up there in in the most successful athletic departments in the country, uh, you know, third nationally in, in overall national titles. Like I love when sand volleyball is killing people and... Uh, you know, golf is winning things Spiking and tennis people. is winning things and water polo is winning things. Like, it, that, that's always super cool. Yeah, it's not the Conference of Champions for nothing. And U.S. definitely contributes 
their fair share to those things. Uh, but this is the predictions podcast for the season. We got a lot to get to. So let's take a quick break and we'll be right back and get on with it. All right, Alicia, let's get to these predictions. It's a big season for the Trojans. USC has to get some wins here uh, if they want to keep Clay Helton around. And it'd be good to start that in week one. USC plays Fresno State, the defending Mountain West champions. The Trojans are favored by 7.7 points in the SP Plus with a 67% win probability. The Bulldogs were 12-2 and last year. As I mentioned, they won the Mountain West they return nine starters, only three on offense. They have to break in four new starters on the offensive line. They have a new quarterback. Uh, they're replacing the Mountain West Defensive Player of the Year, Jeff Allison. A lot of turnaround uh, for Fresno State. Is this a game in which USC starts off fast? Well, they have to. They have to because they can't afford to start off slow. And that's the big thing about Fresno State is this is a Jeff Tedford Jeff, Jeff Tedford coach team and that you you know they're going to be at a certain level uh and even though he is replacing a lot of guys and and I think that you would look at you almost look at this Fresno State team like the Western Michigan team of uh of a couple of years ago where a little bit where they were really good the year before they have a lot of replacements so it's probably good that you're that you're seeing them early as opposed to later once they really settled in those positions uh but so they're not as dangerous as they would have been, but you still have to take them seriously because they obviously know how to win. The coaching staff knows how to win, and the players mm-hmm. who were on that team from last year know how to win. And you can't go into this kind of matchup expecting them to just fall over at your feet and 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 just concede to you. You really have to take them seriously. Uh, so that's what I want to see from USC is because they don't have a lot of time here. Stanford is coming up in week two. You need yep. to get all the kinks out and you need to be firing on all cylinders by week two if you really want to be serious about this. So you can't have a slow start. Yeah, and this is, I think, the perfect time to get Fresno State. they bringing in a new offensive coordinator. Kellen DeBoer is gone. He is over in Indiana now. This is an interesting matchup because the Bulldogs are 129th in the country in returning production. That is devastating. They lost so many guys especially on offense, from that team from a year ago. Their top two wide receivers, all those offensive linemen, like I mentioned. They're breaking in a new quarterback who only had 12 passes uh, at the FBS level thus far, Jorge Reyna. It's going to be interesting to see what Fresno State ends up being. And I think they're going to be a team that's pretty good because Jeff Tedford's been pretty damn good uh, at his alma mater through a couple of seasons. But I don't think they're going to be ready in week one to go up against USC, especially having to break in all those offensive linemen against a USC front seven, which I think is going to be much improved because that's kind of the heart of the defense. So week one for me is a victory for the Trojans. Uh, I think they start off well. Uh, I think Fresno State's going to be way better than they are at the end of the season than in week one. Yeah, I agree. I'm going with a USC win here. And just really what it comes down to is if USC drops this game or this game is really close in the end, then buckle up because things aren't things aren't going to be super smooth here. USC doesn't have to blow them out. They don't have to, you know, I'd like them to 
to cover the spread because that's been a thing. That's been a theme of the last couple of years. But look competent. Look like you are on the path to building an identity. And I think that you can go into week two feeling like you're okay. But I mean, it, when it, what it comes down to is if you lose this game, it is unacceptable. Absolutely 1000% unacceptable. And it'll set an awful tone for the start of the season uh, that, uh, that frankly, I don't want to have to live through. It's unacceptable given what else is on the schedule. Uh, yeah. I, like if, if SC lost to Fresno State, given how good they were, were last year in a vacuum, I don't think it's the biggest crime in the world, mm. but when you when you, when you look at USC's schedule, when you look at USC's talent advantage, when you look at all the guys that Fresno State lost, when you look at the stakes on hand here for USC, how they have to get a win, yeah, a loss in week one is going to be pretty devastating for SC because well, they need to start off pretty quick. Frankly, the only way you lose this game is if you get o- totally outcoached. 100%, yeah. And getting totally outcoached, <laughs> uh, yeah. That's a problem. You can still win with getting out coached here, though. So right. So if you lose, you were then really out coached. Yeah. 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 For sure. Uh, let's move on to week two. USC and Stanford. Trojans favored by three point two points, according to Bill Connolly's metrics, with a fifty-seven percent win probability. Trojans getting the Cardinal at home, and they lost to the Cardinal up on the farm last year, seventeen to three. This is an interesting kind of situation. Uh, Stanford, again, not returning that many guys, only nine. If you combine Fresno State and Stanford's returning starters, they have 18. For comparison's sake, UCLA has 19. We'll get to that later. So Stanford and Fresno State not returning that many guys early on for USC, but KJ Costello, at quarterback, one guy that they do return, pretty damn good. Also, Walker Little, first team. Uh, all pack 12er uh, over at left tackle. Colby Parkinson is gone, but still long list of guys that they, they've lost. Bryce Love, JJ Arcega Whiteside, Trent Irwin, Caden Smith, Bobby Okariki, Ben, Sean Barton, Nate Herbig, a slew of dudes that you know are no longer on this Stanford team. What do you see going down in week two? Well, this is another one where, um, you feel like it comes down to coaching, right? Because Stanford does lose a lot of guys, but USC also loses a lot of guys. And you're looking at a situation where how much can KJ Costello carve up USC's really, really raw uh, rebuilding secondary? Uh, that could be the, the difference in how much can JT Daniels and this new air raid offense hit the ground running and take advantage of some departures in, in Stanford's defense. Uh, it's it's hard to say because both sides are losing so much. It does come down to which team is the most well-prepared. And that's another matchup where Clay Hilton, they have out outweighed Stanford in the past. I think well, it was probably the most impressive win of, what, the last two years um, of 2017 and 2018. The most impressive win was the, the 2017 uh, first Stanford game. Right. So it's not like they haven't done it before. Uh, but you you do have to have your team prepared to go against the Stanford team that even though they're losing a bunch of those guys, I'm fairly confident they're going to find replacements. I don't know if they're going to find J.J. Ortega-Whiteside replacement, but I'm confident that whatever receiver that they that they plug in there will be able to be productive. And yeah, they, they lose Caden Smith, who was a, a great tight end. But Colby Parkinson is 
a legitimate tight end too. Like Stanford produces yeah. these position players. So I, I'm more concerned about JJ say a white side as a loss if I'm a Stanford fan than Caden Smith because Stanford yeah. is just you know plug and played so many different tight ends and not necessarily the case with wide receiver. But for Arcega Whiteside, who was the last really good Stanford receiver? Uh, Montgomery. And that was a few years ago now, right? So, yeah, I would worry about the tight end situation. I think what's interesting here is the offensive line. Stanford was 114th in the country in line yards last year. A terrible rushing team. That's so, random for Stanford. Yeah, KJ Costello needs help. Um, I'm not sure they're going to get it on the ground. That might, again, play well into USC, returning a bunch of guys in the front seven. So, I don't know. It's going to be an interesting matchup. I think it's a good test to go up against KJ Costello for USC secondary, but I kind of like the matchup for USC's front. Well, this is the, this is the, the game that will begin to tell us if USC's defensive line is as good as we hope they can be, right? Because sure. I don't think you're going to really get the, the tail of that against Fresno State. They're replacing so many guys up front that what USC does to them on the, on the, in the trenches is not going to necessarily be a fair gauge if USC has success. If you go up against Stanford and win the battle in the trenches, you're probably going to win the game. And you're going to at least be certain. I mean, they've got Walker Little. So you know that they have legitimate offensive linemen in there that, if you win those battles, then that says something about you as much as it does about them. And you're right. You know, the only way to to negate uh, what KJ Costello can do to you and potentially to your secondary is make him as uncomfortable as possible. Make it as difficult for him as possible. You got to win the battle up front. And we're, we're going to find out because so many, you know, by week two, so many of these things will still be so up in the air uh, that. That's what ultimately we're going to find the answers. And unfortunately, my pick in this game is that we're going to find out that Stanford is better than USC in week two. See, I disagree. Uh, I, I think Stanford is a team that, much like Fresno State, has to get September uh, behind behind them before they can really get their feet underneath them. Uh, especially when you look at Stanford last year, 115th in, in passing defense uh, in terms of yards per game. It's a little bit better when you look at, you know, yards per attempt and passer rating, but still they're in the 70s in those things. That's not good. And yeah, Paulson Adebo was really good last year as a corner for the Cardinal, but I think this is a good matchup for USC this year, given their struggles in, the, in pass defense and given how USC wants to throw the ball around and given Stanford's struggle to run the football. I think those are two areas in which SC can kind of play their own game, ideally, but then again, we everything we ever say about the Stanford game ends up not coming true, and then what happens ends up being the reverse of the rest of the season. Like it's a but, but sometimes it's an accurate predictor too. Like last year was an accurate predictor. So who the hell knows what what to make of this game? But you've got a loss. I've got a win for USC. Yeah, I I totally agree with you that it's hard to to predict, which is why I'm siding with. Who do I trust more, David Shaw or Clay Hilton? Who do I trust more, KJ Costello yeah. or JT Daniels? And that's really what made the decision for me. I trust KJ Costello and I trust David Shaw. Yeah, if those, if you're limiting it to those people, yeah, you, you take Stanford any day of the week right now, at least as it stands. Let's move on to week three, USC at BYU. First trip to Provo since 2004. And Alicia, USC has won a national championship every year in which they play BYU. Fun fact. 
They've only played him twice, 2003 <laughs> and 2004. That's a nice uh, that stat. La- that last meeting was a 42-10 to 10 win uh, in Provo. The Cougars return a lot, 17 starters, including quarterback Zach Wilson, who was a freshman last year, started the last seven games of the year, perfect in the famous Potato Bowl. 18 of 18, 317 yards, four touchdowns. Pretty damn good. His passer rating was at 157.23 for the year. Better than K.J. Costello. That's pretty good for a freshman. Uh, the Trojans are predicted to win this game by the SP+. Uh, 2.6 points is the advantage with a 56% win probability for the Trojans there. BYU, though, like I said, returns a bunch, including four starters on the offensive line. 72.3% of their receiving yards are all back. Clay Hilton's only 12 and 14 away from the Coliseum since taking over for Steve Sarkeesian. What do you make in week three? If this game wasn't on the road and Clay Hilton didn't have the road record that he has, uh, I, I don't think I would be worried at all. Uh, but because of the context around it, because it is in Provo and because Clay Hilton has the track, rec- track record that he has, you look at it and you go, uh, I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, when it comes down to it, the talent gap between these two teams is as big as it is for any other uh, matchup that USC faces uh, this year. And I just I, I I don't see this being an issue unless it's USC being out of sync and out of their, you know, out of kilter because they're on the road. Um BYU, they, they just don't share. They don't, just don't scare me. And the thing about Zach Wilson, you, you point out he had a really good start to to his uh, to his career as a as a freshman. The thing is, a lot of times having the tape then on him is a big help to the opposing defense the next year. So you see sophomore slumps because you know n- now you know what Zach Wilson looks like. Now you know how to prepare for him. Where those last few games of the of the season, he was a an unknown quantity to to a point. So. I'm just not sure. I'm just not sure I see anything in particular about BYU that scares me except for the whole Provo thing. Yeah. Um, what was that quote from Bradley and A? <laughs> the, the, there's nothing uh, more terrifying than 60,000 sober white people yelling something at you. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I think it's going to be a fun trip. I'm super excited for it. This is an interesting game for me because I the, I can give you a million reasons why USC loses this game. BYU is returning a bunch of guys. They're usually good for one good Power 5 win a year. We saw them beat Wisconsin on the road last year. But I just I just don't know. I mean, Clay Helton has struggled on the road. USC's not good on the road, particularly you know early on. I think that this is a, a year in which USC ends up playing a lot like they did in 2014. Well, in 2014, SC beats Fresno State, they beat Stanford, and they lose on the road in Week 3. Well, here it is in Week 3, after I've predicted a win over Fresno State and a win against Stanford, they should lose this one, right? I think for the most part, there's reasons in which I would say yes. But I'm going to say SC ekes out a win. By the slimmest of margins, this is not a pretty game for USC. It is ugly. Uh, BYU gives them fits. It's a game that's going to light up the rant line, but USC finds a way, and they're 3-0. and Yeah, I I also have USC winning this game. I think it will come down to the talent advantage that USC has. I think that 
Yeah. I, I agree with you that this won't be a pretty win. I think it'll be ugly. That's just what USC does on the road. But also I know that USC has really talented playmakers. Like I could I could see Michael Pittman making a big play in this game. Uh individual efforts kind of proving to be the difference. Uh and that that's ultimately what what USC will need to get them through some of the uglier road games. Just the right guys yep. stepping up at the right time. Uh, because it's, it is still early. I don't. I don't think that the offense will be clicking uh, on all cylinders. But uh, you're going to have enough of the the big time plays from somebody. Somebody's going to step up and and make them. Yeah. The, the other thing to note here is that as tough of a September USC has, BYU has. BYU yeah, I mean, starts w- with Utah. They they go on the road. They get Utah at home at Tennessee, and then it's USC and Washington at home. So that is ex- incredibly difficult right there. That's, that's not a fun th- four-game stretch, not, is it? No. And, and so I think I can sit here and say that, well, SC playing Stanford, they're going to be kind of beaten down after that game. But BYU is coming after a road game um, at, at Tennessee, and, and they would have played uh, Utah the week before. So I don't think that they're – I don't think that the body blow theory works here because both teams should have the same exertion level. Yeah. Well, and and just speaking of BYU's schedule, I'm low-key really excited for that season opener, Utah-BYU, because those are two teams that that have the great rivalry with each other. And they're also both very intriguing. Like, Utah needs to prove that they're legit. BYU wants to take a step forward from last season where they were kind of like ho-hum 7-6, but there were some signs of life there. Like, some of their losses were pretty decent losses in, in the long run. They had a couple good wins. So you, BYU can use a, a, a jumping off point as well. So BYU-Utah is just such an intriguing matchup that it's, you know, it's not often that you get to see two teams that USC is going to play, play each other in week one. I'm excited for that. Yeah, and two teams that SC is going to play super, super early on. So through two weeks, I have USC at 3-0. and What the hell am I smoking? And you have SC... At two and one. Let's talk about Utah. It's a short week on Friday, September 20th. This is an interesting matchup for a multitude of reasons. One of them being, you know, Utah is getting a tough draw here. Uh, they are the defending Pac 12 South champions, they are the favorites by the media poll, and yet they get their first big true test in the conference being at USC, at the Coliseum. A place they've never beaten the Coliseum, they've never beaten the Trojans in. Their only win at the Coliseum was against UCLA way back decades ago. This is difficult for Utah coming on a short week to make a road trip. It's difficult for USC because USC gets Utah sandwiched between those Stanford and BYU games before that, and after is a road trip at Washington. Here's the difference. Utah plays this game six days after playing Idaho State at home, FCS Idaho State. If I'm Kyle Whittingham, Tyler Huntley and Zach Moss ain't playing. Britton Covey ain't playing. Bradley and A, you can rest all those guys. And there's a lot of dudes to rest because Utah brings back so many freaking good players, especially on the defensive line. Everyone's back. Bradley and A, a first-team All-Pac 12-er. Lecky Foto, a first-team All-Pac 12-er. John Penasini, second team, all-pack-12-er. Max Tupai is back on the defensive line, too. Uh, in the secondary, you have Jalen Johnson, a first-team all-pack-12-er, back at corner. Uh, Julian Blackman's moving from corner to safety. He was second-team all-pack-12. 
And yeah, Tyler Huntley and Zach Moss were damn good. And before they got hurt in the ASU game last November, Utah was on a freaking roll. Uh, they were outscoring teams by a combined 41-17 to last October against Stanford, Arizona, USC, and UCLA. That's how they won the division. And if they find that form again with Huntley and Moss, they're going to walk through the division again. Absolutely. But this is the big question for Utah under Kyle Whittingham. They have never been better than six and three in conference. And, mm-hmm. you know, they, Kyle Whittingham has had a 10 win season. He's had a couple nine, uh, a handful, in fact, of, of nine win seasons, but they can't get over that six and three in conference hump. So is Utah legit elite this year or are they the same old Utah? If they're the same old Utah, then I look at this game and say, well, the same old Utah loses this game because it's at the Coliseum. And it's really that simple. Like, I feel like that's the most surface level uh, thing to determine a, a pick on. But I'm 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 doing it uh, until further notice. Uh, this is the trend that happens. Utah is not the same Utah away as they are at Rice Eccles. And it's to be understood because the energy at Rice Eccles is so great. But Utah has had a, a ceiling, a pretty set ceiling that they've had for the last few years. And this is probably their best opportunity to burst through that ceiling. But they've looked on the verge of being that team and they haven't quite gotten through. So I I like, I'm, I'm very open to the idea that they will make that leap, but I also seeing is believing for me in Utah. And a lot of that will come down to like prove that you can win at the Coliseum because I haven't seen you do it. And I'm going to flip, flip the tables on here. How does USC beat them at the Coliseum? Well, by Utah not being not being at their highest energy and and frankly, where USC fell apart last year against Utah, where they got blown out, USC, that was about USC absolutely falling apart. They were in they were leading that Wait, game. Are, are you, you, yeah, but are you telling me that USC lost and Utah didn't win? Is that the no, 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 no? That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that Utah that USC was much more in that game that was a much more even game until the wheels fell off for usc that, uh, like i i strongly disagree SC did not have a first down until the fourth quarter usc was also up 14 to nothing how did they not have yeah, a first down yeah, on, when a, they... on, a, on a on a pass that should have been intercepted and a scoop and score yeah they didn't have a first down that wasn't that touchdown until the fourth quarter <laughs> I don't well, s- I don't see how you sit here and say SC was in the damn game. They weren't I, in the game. No, I sit here and say that the gap between those two teams was not as large as the score of that game would indicate. That's what well, I'm the, saying. First of all, the score of the game was only 41-28. If you didn't yeah. know any better, you'd think it was a close game. Yeah, but you came out of it thinking USC got their pants blown off. They did. They did. But, but again, that was, that was USC's MO. USC did that against ASU. It did that against Cal. did that against UCLA. Where the gap between those teams was not nearly or as great. They lost against ASU, but no, that's my point. They did that. They lost to ASU because they they because let... Tyler Huntley and Zach Moss got hurt. You no USC lost to ASU. Oh, okay, fair enough. USC lost to Cal. USC lost to UCLA. Sure. Even though yeah. the, the gaps between those two, the, the those teams were in USC's favor or non-existence, and USC just you know capitulated every time. I'm saying that the gap between Utah and UC and USC is not large. Like, th- I, I mean, the circumstances I of that game 
if you we're not the, a reflection of the of, of of the gap between the teams. So if you, if look, you take it, the game out of Rice Eccles and you take the wild momentum swings away and you take a concussion away from JT Daniels and you give USC's offense an identity, then I think you have a very different outcome. Obviously, you can't change the past, but you asked me how does USC beat Utah at the Coliseum this year? Well, they don't have a concussed JT Daniels. They have an offensive identity and they don't have the the wild momentum swing that Rice Eccles brings. Like that's how USC it, beats Utah at the Coliseum. And if my uncle had lady parts, he'd be my aunt. I, I, well, but you, I, li- I you, you literally asked me how USC here. wins at the Coliseum. I just laid out for you how USC wins at the Coliseum by all I, of those things not going wrong this time. Sure. Like, I think in a in a wind tunnel, SC is, has as much or more talent than any team on the roster. Two, two or three of those teams that get close uh, include Utah, Washington, and Notre Dame. Utah's one of those teams because of how much talent they have. Here's a little inside baseball stuff. You and I have talked about doing combined 22s this year. And if you're a soccer fan, combined 11s or something that where two teams are playing, you make a combined 11. You combine their roster and what's the best roster of these two teams combined, right? If you made a combined 22 of USC and Utah, I... <laughs> There's fewer Trojans on there than ever before. Ever. Let's just walk down the list here. Like, it's the entire Utah defensive line. Is it? You, yeah, it is. Is it? Maybe you have J2 Valley in there. I mean, Maybe I, mean I, don't, I don't know what USC's defensive line is, but I don't think, I think there's a universe where we get six weeks into the season and you don't make that trade. Or, but you get four weeks into the season and you don't make that trade. Because J2 Valley, Marlon Tupelotu... Brandon Peely, Christian Rector, those dudes are potentially legit, but but potentially that's what I'm saying. Now we, we know exactly. now exactly. That's that's my point though. Is the only reason you make that you make that claim right now is because we don't know what USC's defensive line is. Yeah, but we're we're making these predictions knowing what we know now, knowing what Which we know now. Which defensive line has Utah a higher went, ceiling? SC always has a high ceiling. Well, but I, that's that, this is my point. You can't always rely on that. That's, no, just, you, this is why USC went five and seven because you can't always rely on the on the higher ceiling. But it's also a factor that you, that that you bring into this game. I don't know. I, I can see SC winning this game if if they play their game and if Utah has those struggles and you know Utah does lose Jackson Barton, a first team All Pac twelve at left tackle. They also lose a guard, Falamaka. Like they they lose a lot on the offensive line. And if they struggle there and USC's defensive line looks good, I can see a way in which SC absolutely wins this game. But I just can't predict it right now. So it's a Utah win for me. I'm going USC win on this one. And, and, it, and it really comes down to Utah still has to prove to me that A, they can break through that ceiling that we know they have, and B, that they can do it on the road at the Coliseum. Uh, I'm going with the trend here. I'm going with the trend because by week four, if USC's offense is real, then USC's offense will be real. Uh, and and we'll know. I mean, I could be giving you a totally different prediction two weeks into September when USC loses their first three games and then we're having a different conversation. Okay, last thing before we get to the Washington game. I just want to say the idea that Utah needs to prove themselves that they're not the same old Utah. They literally lost their two best players last year in November and still finally won games in November with a backup quarterback for the first time ever. I think they proved themselves just fine. What, they beat a, a weird Oregon team, a Colorado team, and a BYU team? 
This was a Utah team that had always lost every damn game in November. Yeah, but and they did it with without their two best players on offense. Like, no, I agree. Utah not falling off a cliff last year was impressive, but the, like they weren't world beaters. They were the best team in the conference when those guys were healthy. Anyways, let's move on. They Both lost have... to Washington and Washington State. How are they the best team in the conference when those guys we're... were healthy? We're moving on. <laughs> and we're talking about the Washington game. Uh, you and I are both crazy. We have SC at 3-1 and one through four games. Talking about week five, USC goes on the road to Seattle to play the Washington Huskies at, uh, what is it, Alaska Airlines Field at Husky Stadium? Uh, the Trojans are not predicted to win this game. According to the S&P Plus, sorry, SP Plus, that has a new name, uh, the Trojans are projected to lose by 9.4 points with only a 29% win probability the Huskies are the defending Pac-12 champs. They went 10-4 and four last year. They're projected to finish 15th this year in the S&P Plus. Uh, SP, I'm never going to get that right anymore. I'm never going to. I'm just. This is their fault for changing the name. I'm sticking with S&P Plus. Well, it's, not, it's not a bad strategy. <laughs> uh, the, the last meeting, SC, uh, last time SC went to Seattle, they obviously won in 2016. If they're going to do that again, they're going to need another big-time performance. Washington's offense should be good. They returned seven starters. They only returned two guys on defense. And you look at the list of guys that the Huskies don't have anymore. On defense, it's insane. Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year, Ben Burkirvan. Safety, Taylor Rapt. Byron Murphy. Greg Gaynors. They have to replace four all-conference first-teamers, including three who had All-American recognition somewhere. That's really damn difficult to replace in Week 5. However, I think it's important to note that the scheme isn't changing. The co-defensive coordinators Jimmy Lake and Pete Kwiatkowski, uh, they're, they're still there. So you can look at it and say that the offense might be good if if Jacob Eason kind of you know meshes with that offense, that he could be better than Jake Browning and, and whatnot. They return a lot on, on offense, but... I don't know. It's an interesting, it's an interesting boat. So this is my uh, Alicia's being way, way, way too optimistic, and uh, is probably going to regret I, making this I actually this pick. think this is a case of optimistic Alicia. Yeah, I think USC wins this game, uh, and I'm, and again, I'm going by past blueprints. The, my past blueprint was when USC won the battle in the trenches in 2016. That was the thing that made the difference. People want to make that whole season about Sam Darnold, the win. At Washington was all about the defensive line. It was all about Stevie yep. Tuukulavatu, uh, Rashim Green, and Port Augustine. Those guys absolutely destroyed what Washington tried to do on offense. So this is me banking on USC's defensive line being good, and I reserve the right to be wrong about this. And I reserve, <laughs> you know, the right to to eat crow three weeks uh-huh. down the line when USC's defensive line isn't turns out to not be good. But mm-hmm. that is what I'm basing this on, that USC's defensive line will be able to win that battle in the trenches. Then you factor in all of those losses on defense, all of yeah. the – I mean, for all intents and purposes, this is a rebuilding year for, for Washington. Now, Washington may be able to prove that they're they're in a reload – we don't we reload, we don't rebuild kind of situation. That, that may entirely be what's happening. But there are so many big names there on defense that they need to replace that – you give USC that little bit of boost on offense, being able to, to to get that edge. And then you also give me the 
sort of buy into what USC's defensive line could do to Washington in this context. And this is where I'm picking an upset for USC. But I am very self-aware about this particular upset. Uh, this upset is built on my skepticism around what Washington has been over the past few years, which has been a tiny bit paper tigery. Uh, so yeah, fully self-aware that I might be crazy for this, but I'm going with USC and win this time. We are, we are recording this. I hope you know. I know. Yeah. Uh, All right. Just I'm put, put as, my neck on the line. That's fine. As it stands now, SC ain't winning this game. Uh, the Huskies <laughs> return all five starters on the offensive line. Uh, that includes Trey Adams, who's a first-team All-Pac 12er in 2016. He didn't start all last season. He missed the first 10 games. But th- there's there's too much talent on that offense. Uh, I think Eason, at worst, is at least as good as as Jake Browning, and they were pretty decent on offense last year. Yeah, they lose Miles Gasson, but I think Salvin Ahmed will be just fine. I, for me, their, their defense comes down to, I think it's so much tied to the scheme that I don't know that it matters that they lose all those guys because they lost all those guys two years ago. They lost, you know, Booter Baker and all those dudes, and they turned it right back around and then rebuilt this next generation of guys like Ben Burkirvan and Byron Murphy and all these dudes before. So it's a lot to ask for SC to go in there and win on the road. Uh, eight days after playing Utah, after six days of, before that was BYU and then Stanford, SC is going to be worn the hell down. going to be worn out. This is a Washington win. Um, I, I think it's not going to be, it's not going to be pretty either. I think that, when when I've looked at my predictions for the first six games, I don't want to get ahead of myself. I, I won't give you the record until we get talk about the Notre Dame game, but I've played it out pretty evenly. I think there'll be an impressive win and an impressive loss. Uh, there'll be a ugly win and an ugly loss, a, an okay win and an okay loss. I guess you could figure out the win-loss record there, but this one is the blowout loss. Lake and Kwiatkowski, I... I I just think they're too good. They're too good of coordinators. They'll find a way to shut Graham Harrell down. But I, too, reserve the right to be wrong. Uh, <laughs> we, we will see. We will see. Uh, so that leads USC into the bye week. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back and talk about the flip side of the bye week. Through five games, though, you have USC at 4-1. and one. Yeah. 4-1. I have, I have USC at 3-2. and two. Uh, A little, little optimism here, I guess. Uh, but we'll be right back. All right, Alicia, USC goes on a bye week and then travels out east to Notre Dame in week seven. The Trojans are not favored by any imagination. The SP Plus has the Fighting Irish by 10.9 points. Trojans only have a 27% win probability. I don't know if you knew this last year, but the Irish went to the playoff. Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Yeah, they went to the playoffs last year and uh, got blown the hell out by Clemson. Uh, 12 and one. They were 12 and 0 in the regular season. Last time USC played a football game, it was against eventual 12 and 0 regular season undefeated team Notre Dame at the Coliseum. They return a lot. They also lose a lot. 13 total starters are back. Uh, that includes Ian Book uh, on defense. You got two dynamic defensive ends, Julian Aquara and Khalid Kareem. In the secondary, Alohai Gilman, Troy Pride. I like what Notre Dame is doing on defense. I think they're just adequate 
on offense. I think Ian Book is a perfect kind of a game manager that you kind of want. If you're the Irish to, to manage everything, I don't see SC winning this game, but I wouldn't be surprised if this was one of those things after a week off. If the offense kind of gets things underneath them, they, they've settled in, and by week seven, USC's feeling better about themselves, and after a bye week, turn in a solid performance, but a loss nonetheless. Three and three for USC through six. Yeah, I'm also going loss here. Um, I do this against my better judgment, too, because I'm always slightly skeptical of, of Notre Dame because they have this habit of coming to the Coliseum when they're really highly ranked and then barely beating a bad USC team. <laughs> like, we've seen them do that a couple times. Um, but when USC goes to South Bend, it's a, it's another story. And the bye week is tempting. It is it is very tempting to to think that USC will come out of the bye week, especially because my in my imagining of this season, USC will have built up some momentum after the Stanford loss and uh, ripped off some nice wins. But um, by this stage, I think that Notre Dame will be a little bit too well established. Uh, I do like what they do, what they have going for them on defense, uh, a little bit more balanced. And um, I just I, I think that USC going to South Bend, it's probably asking too much. I don't think it's like a another blowout situation like it was. A couple of years ago when I think that blowout was as much about the injuries and just weirdness that was going on with USC at that time. Um, so I, I think that USC will give a better accounting of themselves in South Bend this time around, but it's still probably a loss. Yeah, if, if both teams are 4-1 and one going into this game, uh, that's potentially top 15 matchup, I would yeah. assume. Yeah. Game day is going to be there. Uh, I don't think it's going to be 4-1 and one USC and 4-1 and one <laughs> yeah. Notre Dame. Um, the Irish play Georgia, so I'm assuming they'll have a loss. But hey, if if they beat the Dogs in Athens, uh, this is potentially a top three Notre Dame team. Who knows? Um, I I just I I think SC gets a moral victory here, and I know moral victories mean nothing, especially if you're Clay Helton who has to win games. I I don't know. I I think it would be a game in which you would feel okay about at the end of the day. I just think that this is not one I'm comfortable with saying the SC ends up winning um but certainly could go south could go any other way uh let's move on to week eight going into week eight the seventh game of the year i have usc three and three you have them four and two the trojans play the wildcats and arizona in in week zero played hawaii and such a weird game because (laughs) i think if you're an arizona fan I, i don't know how you feel about that game you got to feel so relieved that Khalil Tate is back, and he sure damn well looked back. 361 yards through the air, 108 rushing, including 30 on the last play of the game. Three touchdowns, two picks. But the defense was atrocious, utterly atrocious. Uh, yeah, they forced six turnovers and still found a way to, lo- to, to lose. Like, I don't know what to make of Arizona. USC is predicted to win this game by 7.8 points in the SP plus with a 67% win probability. The Wildcats don't look like they're going to make a bowl at this point. They got to beat Texas tech. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't see a way that SE loses this game as it stands right now, but Khalil Tate is Khalil Tate. Well, Arizona is the ultimate chaos team, aren't they? A little bit. Like Arizona is the, is the team that's going to, they're going to beat somebody just by the sheer chaos of what's going to happen. And for USC, my big fear with this game is that 
I think that USC did a good job against Khalil Tate last time around, but he still obviously had his moments. So if you're Arizona and you produce enough moments and Arizona's defense is so bad that they're not going to be able to stop you, but what have we learned about USC in the past? USC is really good at stopping themselves. So if this is the game where Khalil Tate gets just enough and USC shoots itself in the foot enough on offense, then you are flirting with upset disaster. But at the same time, like Arizona's defense is really bad and USC put up 24 points on them last year and it was it was a a a a loss in my mind to have not put up more like it is astounding to me that USC only put up 24 points on this defense because USC sh- should have put double that it mm-hmm. was a it was a a huge mark against USC that they weren't able to to pile on anymore um and it really went to show what happened to, you know, USC coming out in the third quarter was really bad for most of the season in 2018. So I have to imagine USC won't be that bad again. Like, you have to assume that Graham Harrell will have this offense rolling better, that this might be a big 12 bad kind of game. I, I think that's what it has to be, right? Like, I, I think that Khalil Tate, if he stays healthy, he's going to give you fits. You can deal with those fits. If you're dropping 50 on Arizona, which you should be. Yes, exactly. If if Arizona's given up, you know, 45 points to Hawaii, you need to be scoring 50 points. Yes, absolutely. Bar none. So and yeah. if you and if you do that, if you score 50 points, you shouldn't lose to Arizona because you should at least make a couple more stops than them. Yeah. And that's and that's kind of what USC did uh, against Khalil Tate in, in 2017 is they just they got the necessary stops. They came up with the big stops. So I think Clancy Pendergast defense, the 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 strategy that they used against against Khalil Tate kind of worked. Uh, so you're going to give up some points, but not more points than you should be scoring. So I, I have this logged as a win, but I am also ticking it as like a Arizona is is a is the biggest I don't know team in a conference full of I don't know teams. Oh, I, I disagree. There's one that's really close by campus that I think well, is the ultimate I don't know team. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying is that everybody is an I don't know team and Arizona's right up there with them because sure. the thing about UCLA is they might have Chip Kelly, but they certainly don't have Khalil Tate. So that, that's that's fair. That, that is that's a fair point. So we each have SC winning through seven games. You have the Trojans at five and two. I have USC at four and three. Let's talk about week nine, a road trip at Colorado. Friday night game, again, short week for the Trojans, but they're favored with a 65% win probability, according to the SP+. The Buffs coming off a 5-7 and seven season as well. They fired head coach Mike McIntyre. They returned seven guys on the offense, including Steven Montez, LaVisca Chenaults, Katie Dixon. A lot of guys to like from a firepower perspective, and on defense, Two of the best front seven guys in the entire conference, Mustafa Johnson, uh, Nate Landman, both guys combine for 30 and a half sacks. They're both back for the Buffs this year. A lot of big playmakers. I just don't know what the Buffs have around those guys uh, in year one uh, with Mel Tucker. Yeah, that's the thing is, if you just were to look at the sort of star names, like if you were a TV broadcast, right, and you're putting together the the graphic that you're putting up to show the players to know about Colorado, you you look at that and go like, oh, well, no, that's a pretty good team. 
It's just that they have no one else. They have literally no one else worth mentioning. <laughs> so if, if this was if this was the NBA Jam version of college football, where you only have a you know a few players, yeah, Colorado is right there up there with with Oregon and Stanford and all these other teams, if not better. If you're playing because, three on three football, you're doing real yeah, well. <laughs> they're really damn good. Yeah, but it's 22. You know, you need a 22 and <laughs> they don't really have a 22. And and Mel Tucker is an unknown quantity as the new head coach. So uh, I think that a lot of people are expecting him to need to do some real rebuilding uh, going on with this. So I've got this as a USC win. <laughs> but again, it's another one of those where you just look at, OK, it's, it's on the road on a Friday night. And you have LaVisca Chenault and you have a secondary that we don't know what the secondary is going to be able to do. And you have an offensive line where you don't know what your offensive line is going to be like. So if LaVisca Chenault and Mustafa Johnson are the two best players on the field, then it could get real interesting. But at the same time, at the same time, like I'm not going to sit here and pick Colorado because that firepower wasn't enough to beat last year's USC team. So right. I'm not going to predict it's good enough to beat this year's USC team. Yeah, and for most of that game, uh, it was SC's best game of the year, I thought. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I think they ended up playing better against a better team in Notre Dame at the end of the year. But for most of the Colorado game, that was SC's best performance. And Colorado was undefeated at that time. So SC's in a position here where I think they have a talent advantage. But I think this will be a good test with all the big playmakers that we've mentioned that, that the Buffs have. I... I do like the buffs from a perspective of it's a home game at Folsom Field. Colorado plays USC really tough there. But you know how you said that uh, Utah's never won at the Coliseum? Well, Colorado's never beaten USC, period. <laughs> I yeah. think that continues. I th- They might be a year or two away, but the problem is Montez, Chenault, Mustafa Johnson, Nate Landman, they're all going to be gone next year, too. So, I don't know. They might be a couple years away. Um, I think this will be close. I, I don't think this will be a fun game from a comfort stance for USC because I think they'll have to earn it, but I think they get the win. So we both agree there uh, through eight games. I have USC at five and three. You have the Trojans at six and two. Let's turn the page to November and talk about the biggie in early November. A home tilt against the Oregon Ducks, who are the sexy pick to win the conference by some people. And I we're going to talk about this. They bring back Justin Herbert. They bring back an offensive line that's loaded with talent. Shane Lemieux uh, is back. Uh, Penny Sewell was really damn good as a true freshman last year. Troy Dye is back for his like 18th year in the conference. A lot of reasons to feel good about Oregon. They returned 17 starters, 10 on, on offense, 7 on defense. They're, they're projected to win this game by 0.6 points in the S&P+. I just don't see it. Talking about paper tigers, to me, it's the Oregon Ducks. I, I agree with you on the skepticism about Oregon as the favorite to win the conference. Uh, I, I completely agree with you. The, the, they're the favorite to win the North, but Utah is still the favorite to win the conference. Right. But OK, fine. To, to win the North, either way. As skeptical as I am of Washington, I'm more certain of Washington. And I dig Stanford, even though I, you know, Stanford will have to, to back that up. But I really do dig Stanford. Uh, certainly, I like KJ Costello more than I like Justin Herbert. But when I look at this game, I look at the advanced stats metrics, that 49%, that sort of right down the middle, 
okay, then I'm, I'm starting to look at, so what is the, what are the things that tip the scales one way or the other? And, uh, it, it being at the Coliseum, yeah, maybe that tips the scale a little bit in USC's favor. But I also look at Justin Herbert. If he's on, he's really on. Like he's, he, he can be really good. And I think that Oregon's offensive line might have enough to just hold up if I think that USC's defensive line is going to be good this year, maybe Oregon's offensive line is just good enough to hold them off and let Justin Herbert have a good game. And that's the difference in the game, maybe. I mean, uh, This is uh, a lot of games in the schedule, I feel like, are total coin, coin flips. So you're picking arbitrary things that that weigh one way or the other. And And in this case, I feel like I've made a very arbitrary decision to, again, just go with Justin Herbert could be the guy that just comes up with that big play where USC doesn't come up with that big play. But it, I, I don't know. I, I, I've got Oregon winning this game. Um, but I, it's, it's another one of those where if, if you ask me for a confidence pick, I'm picking zero. J- Justin Herbert on the road last year, passer rating 129.12. Uh, at home, it was 158.72. Uh, I don't. They, they lost on the road to Washington State and Arizona and Utah. The problem, and- the problem with the problem with this conversation is that, like, I was talking to Trent Goodrich, one of our one of our writers at Pac-12 Media Day. We were trying to figure out, like, what is what is what happened to Justin Herbert? What happened to, to Oregon? There is no rhyme or reason for Justin Herbert's numbers. Like, you you break them down into well, who were they playing? Who were they not playing? Like all those. There's, it doesn't make any sense. There isn't a pattern with him. It's not necessarily being on the road or playing good teams or anything like that. Like the split stats are, are weird. Well, they're also weird from year to year. So, like if you look at uh, 2017, 2017 his passer rating against losing teams was 50 points higher, uh, and then his one his passer rating against winning teams in 2018 it's even 140 and 140. So, okay, so that's not a discrepancy. But in home road splits, last year, 30 points higher at home versus uh, on the road. In 2015, it's 50 points higher on the at home. So, like, but conference versus non-conference is pretty even. I, I just, I don't know what to make of it. Ranked versus unranked. Here's my thing. It's like, for instance, his his road splits are weird because he was awful against Arizona. Like, awful against Arizona. Not good against Washington State. But against Utah, he's got a passer rating of 163, three touchdowns, no interceptions, like a legitimately great game. Against Oregon State, also he had really good numbers, but it was Oregon State. So like He also did really well against Cal, who has the best really, secondary yeah. in the conference. So yeah. his his road splits are all reflection of he tanked against Arizona because that game was un undefined. Like I still That's don't fair. know how that happened. So like again, it doesn't there's no rhyme or reason to when Justin Herbert is on versus when he's off. And that's why I have it. Like I, I'm not, I, I'm not necessarily even disagreeing with you. I'm just like pointing out that Oregon is an enigma that I, I don't know see, if we that we're, that we're having this conversation is why they should not be ranked. What was it eleventh yes. in the oh, country? Like absolutely, yes. It's ridiculous. Why are they ranked above Washington and, and Utah? It makes no sense. Yeah. No. I. I. To, it's because they're the sexy pick because Justin Herbert is the 
you know, the 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 sexy quarterback prospect. I don't even get him as an NFL quarterback. I like I NFL want stuff KJ is going to NFL, dude. Yeah, I'd I agree. Costello over him easily. Yeah, it's like, not even close for me. So. I don't know. I'm not sold by the Ducks. Uh, until I am, I'm going to pick the Trojans here. You're going to take the Ducks. Yeah. Uh, so through nine games, we both have USC at six and three and bowl eligible in early November. Where do you look at that? Hey, I forgot what bowl game trips were like. <laughs> been a while. It's been so long. Yeah. Uh, let's go to week 10, which is game nine at Arizona State here in Tempe. Uh Interesting game because last year obviously was a struggle bus for the Trojans. For a while there, it looked like their best game of the year for like 15 minutes, which Jack Sears, a quarterback. Uh, they lose 38-35. Luckily for the Trojans, Nikhil Harry's gone. But they have to deal with you know Benjamin, who absolutely cooked SC last year and is back and probably going to even build on his numbers that he had last year. A school record, 1,642 yards, 16 touchdowns. 300 carries, first team all-pack 12-er, potential Heisman candidate for the Sun Devils. He's really damn good. Merlin Robinson was really damn good, freshman defensive player of the year. I, I got to say that the Sun Devils proved me wrong last year. I- I'm not on board with the-, the whole Herm Edwards experiment. I still am not, but they were really good in the- at the skill positions. They were good on the offensive line. Uh, Nikhil Harry was very good. Manny Wilkins was very good at quarterback. And they were competent. Herm Edwards, if nothing else, proved to be a very good clock manager. And he managed games efficiently in that sense. And he won games. You look back at the Michigan State game, you look at the SC game, how they managed the clock then, how they were able to put that game away late. ASU did the right things there. And they won games that maybe other ASU teams would have thrown away. And they went 7-6. and six, And I think you would feel good about them, right? But I'm still not completely buying in. And SC has dominated uh, the last two trips to Tempe. I understand it's a different coaching staff. But there's no Nikhil Harry. There, there's no Quinn Bailey on the offensive line. Like, I don't know. I, I'm... I think this is another USC win for me. Yeah, I've also got USC winning here. And it really comes down to, you know, Benjamin torched USC's run defense. But I think that's been a thing that USC has been focusing on greatly this offseason, not just in, in the way that they've changed their scheme. Um, I think in what you can expect of the defensive line uh, in, ter- in terms of what they're being asked to do. And also USC's entire defensive line is now a year older, a year more uh, established with experience and reliability. Yeah. Uh, so I think that USC's run defense will be greatly improved in 2019. Um, and for that reason, ASU doesn't scare me quite as much because, like you said, no Nikhil Harry um, breaking in a new quarterback. Now, by week 11... Can we talk about Jaden Daniels here? Because we didn't before. Um, yeah. First ever true freshman week one starter in school history. He ended up shooting up the recruiting rankings. He finished as the second dual threat quarterback in the country out of Cajon High School in San Perdue. Rave reviews for everything he's been doing in camp. Obviously, he wins the job. And yeah, I agree. By November, he shouldn't be a true freshman in the true freshman sense. But I still think it's going to be interesting to see how he plays, given all the expectations that we saw with JT Daniels and JT Daniels didn't have the season people expected from him. 
So is Jaden Daniels going to be more like JT last year? Or is he going to be more like Jake from Georgia? I don't know. I don't know. Well, I, I you never know what to what to what to trust from a freshman quarterback. That's why they're freshmen. Yeah, exactly. And and I don't think ASU is Georgia. You know, for instance, in terms of being able to provide a really stable base for their freshman for sure. quarterback to to work on work with. So uh, yeah, I'm uh, I am siding with um, USC's defense's ability to to handle themselves in this game and USC's offense's ability to put up some points against a Sun Devil defense that has some players that I like, but I think on the whole isn't the kind of unit across the board that, that I'm necessarily wary of. Uh, I think that, I think Herm Edwards has probably done a better job coaching this team than I, than I thought he, he would just like you. Uh, but it's still, I think they're still dealing with some transitional stuff that I, I'm not certain of them uh, in the same way. But this will be another one that's kind of cl- like I feel like it's just going to be USC's just going to have a string of like close games that'll come down to random uh, things that make a difference. And so well, the other thing, it's November and anything could happen. I mean, how many years yeah. have, have we talked about November and thinking we knew what was going to happen? And it looks and then- totally different. Yeah, and then we get to November and SC's undefeated and ASU's 0-10 or whatever the hell it is, right? Yeah. Like, any of those things could happen um, or vice versa, right? So, I don't, I don't know what to make of it as it stands now. I think SC wins uh, to go to 7-3. and You agree that SC wins to go to 7-3. and So, we'll move on to week 11 at Cal in Strawberry Canyon. Trojans looking to get some revenge back on the Golden Bears, who won at the Coliseum last year. First time that they had won at the Coliseum since 2000. They, they snapped a 14-game losing streak. And this is an interesting matchup because the Bears return 11 starters. Seven of those are in defense, including everybody in the secondary, which is undoubtedly the best secondary in the conference now that Washington lost all those, those All-Americans. So you look at it, Jalen Hawkins is back at safety with six interceptions. This is a team that completely stymied USC's passing attack last year. And Cal should only get better. Justin Wilcox has been so damn good uh, as a head coach in terms of how he's overseen his defense uh, with Tim DeRuiter as the defensive uh, coordinator. But the offense has been atrocious. Chase Garbers is, is the starting quarterback again. He wins the job over Devin Monster. But I don't know what to think of their offense. Patrick Laird is gone. Vic Wharton is gone. Mo Ways is gone. Uh, Ken Noah is gone at receiver. The top three leading receivers. I don't know what to make of the Bears, but I will say this. USC loses at Cal for the first time in 16 years. We agree. <laughs> I am terrified of this defense. I think yep. that the problem with the air raid is often that when you come up with a really stiff defense and they take everything away from you, uh, the, the, you get really stifled. Um, so I'm afraid of that defense. And I, and I think that Cal's offense couldn't possibly be worse than they were last year. Like, I don't know if the framing of the game can be the same because what happened to USC last year and what happened to Cal last year, that was just such a stupid game on all count, on all counts. Right. Uh, so I, I don't know if I even want to like frame it compared to last year, but when I when it comes down to it, like that defense is so scary, especially that secondary. If anyone's gonna slow USC's offense down, 
it's Cal. And I think that's how somebody's going to beat USC. I, I, I'm I'm not inclined to see USC lose Big 12 bad games in terms of getting outscored because the defense is just sort of like getting blown up. I think more likely where USC loses games is going to be situations where the offense is either shut down by an opposing team or shuts themselves down. And in this case, at Cal, yeah, I'm kind of with you. I I, I think that, that this defense has a, a lot to like, and Justin Wilcox has done pretty well against USC so far. Yeah, and then you go back and look at Washington State last year. Washington State only won that game 19-13. to 13. They, yeah. I think they scored a touchdown in the final minute, if I remember that right. If you can do that to Washington State. Yeah, and you know? Washington State completed 68% of their passes and threw for 337 yards, but only scored 19 points. And I think that if you're Cal, that's playing the percentages pretty damn well to, to end up like that. The problem is Cal is a mixed bag. Uh, we can rave about their, their defense for, you know, giving Washington State fits, giving Washington fits. But then how do you explain the UCLA game? How do you explain the Oregon game where they just get obliterated on both sides? So, yeah, I don't know. I, I think as it stands now, if, if you're Cal, this is a game you're circled. You want to beat SC really bad at home, uh, especially with Justin Wilcox. They know they can beat SC now. I think that even with the scheme that plays into their hand, with that secondary. Um, and like you said, I think that that defense can stymie USC to the point where Cal just needs a defensive touchdown or one big play on offense to, to win a game. They, they've done it before. Totally agree. Yep. All right. So that leads us into the final game of the year. We have USC at seven and four through 11 games. Let's go to week 13 game 12 at home against UCLA. Uh, Alicia, what the hell do you make of this UCLA team? We, you, you talked about, you know, teams that you don't know what to make of them because they, they, they're so volatile, like Oregon or, or like Colorado or Arizona. To me, that's UCLA. Uh, UCLA went three and nine last year, but they returned 19 starters. Um, basically everybody running back Joshua Kelly is back. He ran for 289 yards versus SC and 1200. And 16 in the last nine games, Dorian Thompson-Robinson is back. I don't know what to think of him from his time. Last year, he officially started eight games, but he was still behind Wilton Spate. Uh, Darnay Holmes is only going to get better at, at, at corner. They do lose arguably their best player in Caleb Wilson at tight end. Uh, and Adarius Pickett, a second-team all-pack-12er and the tackles leader on defense. But those are the only two starters that they really u- lose uh, that are that are worth noting. UCLA is the ultimate test of the thing that we often talk about where football is not actually a video game. And just because you have everyone back doesn't like getting everyone back from a bad team. Does that make you a better team? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, no. I think it's possible it does in year two under Chip Kelly, but it's also possible it doesn't in in year two under Chip Kelly. Like, right. It, it's it, it's the ultimate sort of Schrodinger's cat with UCLA that all of these possibilities are are sitting there and we won't actually know what the outcome is until we see it um, and, until we open the box and find out well, what is UCLA? Are they alive or are they dead? And that's what makes this. So, I mean, this being the final week of the season to pick for USC, not knowing anything about what UCLA is going to be. I I cannot predict a single thing about what UCLA is going to be. 
Because like USC, no. it's the, the range of possibilities here is endless. They could be anywhere from three and nine to nine and three easily. They could, but they, I still think SC is more predictable. Because I, I think we know what just mediocre is for SC. Yes, mediocre for SC is like seven and five, six and six, where yeah. they're gonna because that's basically what we saw last year, right? Like last year, if you just correct the the Cal score. Uh, change maybe, the snap. Yeah, you change the, the snap against Cal, and SC is a 6-6 six and six team that was just mediocre, right? Yeah. At worst, they're going to be that again. UCLA, I don't even know. Like, they could be 9-3, and three, they could be 3-9 and nine again, they well, could and be 6-6, they, six six, they could be 7-5. and five. Like, they could go 10-2. and two. I don't know what the hell to make of this team. They face a tough schedule, too. So, like, the the tricky thing for judging UCLA is that they could be a lot better than their record, like objectively looking at but it. And th- they, 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 t- they play a tough non-conference schedule because they get Oklahoma at home, but they they miss Washington and they miss Oregon. I th- I think that matters. I, I, I think it's easier to play Washington State and Oregon State, two games that they could win. That I mean, yeah, t- true, true, but there's still a lot of like... I think there's I think there's a chance that you come to that last game of the regular season for USC and you still don't know what UCLA is. Yeah. Because let's say they lose to Oklahoma but beat Washington State, lose to Arizona State, sorry, lose to Arizona at Arizona, beat Oregon State. Like they could you could literally go down the line and alternate win-loss, 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 win-loss. And it wouldn't tell you a thing about whether or not this team is a dumpster fire or kind of sort of underrated good. Right. It, it, I, I I have USC winning this game just because I have no other... I don't know. I, I don't that, trust Dorian Thompson-Robinson all that much. I've already established that I think USC will be a better run defense than they were last year, so... I don't think Joshua Kelly is going to get another 300 yards on USC, and maybe that's all the difference. Because, because I don't know. I, I, I know USC better than I know UCLA, so I'm going with USC winning this game. There is no other reason. There is no other logic. I cannot claim to have any expertise, any expert knowledge on this, except that I think that USC has some more playmakers than UCLA does, but. Who the heck knows? At this stage, I don't think you can possibly even make an educated guess as to how this game will go. Anyone who try, anyone who says they know how this game will go is pulling stuff out their butt because nobody knows how this game is going to go at this stage. Yeah, I I fall back on I know more what USC is than UCLA is, and we still don't even know what SC is. So I'm predicting SC in the softest prediction of all time. So. Uh, I would say SC wins. You say SC wins. And it feels gross, but we agree. SC's going to go eight and four. Yeah, which, so I just, on Renatro.com, I I just wrote an article about holding USC to the Notre Dame standard, which is something that I've talked about on the podcast a lot and that I hadn't actually written down yet. And so I was glad I finally got it out. But for me, the Notre Dame standard is that nine and three record that we've talked about. So I'm predicting USC to below that which is a bummer because there was a time during this offseason when I would have picked USC to, to hit that mark of nine and three. But I'm a little bit less sure about the quarterbacks than I hoped I would be. I'm a little bit less sure about the offensive line than I hoped I would be. 
And I, you know, looking through the schedule, I don't know enough about everybody else to, to say for sure that USC will do any better than eight and four. Uh, but, you know, eight and four is an improvement. But it's also I feel like by picking eight and four, I'm sort of accepting the fact that I think that my worst nightmare is is going to come true this year, which is to say that USC will be good enough that Clay Helton is kept on, but bad enough that everyone can see that it's not going to ever end well. And I'm going to just call that purgatory. So, yep, it's uh, purgatory indeed. Uh, so it'll be a hell of a season if Vesey goes eight and four uh, for things like the rant line and for not yeah. knowing what to make of this team. So, yeah, that'll be Which fun. Which is funny because for 90% of the country, eight and four is real solid. Like eight and four is not something that people are freaking eight out. And, eight and four is satisfactory. Yes. It's not necessarily solid, but it's satisfactory. Well, I think for a lot of teams in the country, it would be pretty, pretty great. But no, you're right. For for competitive teams, eight and four is not a disaster, right? At the very least, eight and four for most teams, not a disaster. But for USC, but but it's a disaster for USC because it doesn't tell you anything definitive. Like, well, and because of what happened last year, and because of the right. baggage that that the the athletic department and the coaching staff and everything is already carrying, and mm-hmm. because, like you said, it doesn't tell you anything. It, yeah, it, if if you're USC fan, you you want SC to go eleven and one, or you want SC to go four and eight. Yeah, prove that they're great or prove that they're not. Um, that that middle ground, which is the middle ground, is always going to be more likely. I, I think yeah. seven, eight, nine wins is always going to be more likely than anything else. But the eight wins in particular really make it difficult because you can't even really play the context game with eight games. I, I think you you can do that with nine. If you go nine and three, you can be like, well, what's that nine and three look like? And you can definitely have a nine and three that is impressive. Nine and three, eight and four. There's no eight and four that's impressive enough to make people feel good about themselves. Unless all four of the games are 2011 Stanford, like or in, unless they start seven and one and they lose three games in November with with a backup quarterback, whoever that may be. And uh, um, like, yeah, I guess. Uh, but there, there's two. There's a lot of ifs in there. A lot there's of a lot of different ways that USC could go eight and four, and very few of them leave you feeling super positive. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, let's take a quick break. We're gonna come back. And we're gonna open up a mailbag, which is essentially your guys's over unders for us to answer. Uh, over unders and predictions and all that stuff. We'll be right back. You've got mail. All right, Alicia, let's start with an over-under from our pal Trinice in L.A. now. Over-under four games until USC fans call for Clay Helton's head. This is an easy under for me. It's already paying out. The under's already paying out. Yeah. <laughs> this one's off the board, Trinice. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's pretty easy. Uh, let's go to Johnny G. Over-under five games until Clay Helton is fired. Uh, I'm going over on this. As you've already heard from my predictions, I think that USC will have a record that won't get him fired by five games. That's where I'm at. I, I think we wrote this on ranchroy.com. Like, what's the threshold for a midseason firing to to be you know activated at that point? And for me, it's after the Washington game. If they're one and four or or zero and five, that's when you have to pull the plug. At two and three, you could talk yourself into it. 
But I have SC at three and two through five games, so I don't think I will take the under there. I'll take the over on the five games for Clay Helton. Uh, let's go to Joe Way. Over under one and a half quarterbacks to start a game for USC this year could increase with an injury or not fitting in with Graham Harrell's plan. And of course, SC fans automatically think everything will fall apart. So interesting to see how many will take the over. I think just one will start. So I will take the under, says Joe. Alicia, what say you? Um, I'm taking the under. Um, I think just one will start. I think the only way that you get the second quarterback in there is is an injury, and that's just so hard to predict that uh, I'll just go with the under. I'm taking the under strictly from, I think so many people were up in arms about Keaton Slovis being the number two, uh, that it's going to end up not being a factor because that's how college football is. <laughs> yeah, actually, that's true. Yeah, that'll be it'll be rendered pointless because JT will just take the job. Uh, let's go to Matt Ramirez, who says over under sixty thousand average attendance. USC averaged fifty five thousand one hundred and eleven last year, never topped sixty k in any game. Uh, yeah, I'm going under. I think enthusiasm for this program is is at a low, and I don't think that the season will go. Even if the season goes well, relatively well, I don't think that will translate to immediate attendance figures. Yeah. So I'm going under. Yeah, I, I think if the season goes well, I think they get back over 60 next year. Yeah. So I, I would say under there. Uh, Matt Ramirez also says over under one and a half emergency podcast this season because of firings, injuries, transfers, all hell breaking loose, etc. One and a half emergency podcast. Oh, that's, uh, I don't know. I I'm gonna go under just because like two emergency podcasts. If if someone gets fired, then it's happening. But again, I I don't think the firing is gonna happen mid season if it happens at all. So I'll go under. I'm gonna say over. I think there's always a reason to have an emergency podcast. Um, whether it's us or whether it's our pals from the Parasol podcast, I think it'll be over, for sure. There will be some some reason. Somebody will be fired or for a good reason or a bad reason or whatever. There will be something. Uh, so I'll take the over. Uh, David Orange County says over or under one and a half Ben Griffith punts that makes Alicia drool. My God, Ben Griffith. He makes me drool. So is, I'm assuming this is for the season opener, right? In, in, in the first game against Fresno State? Because if it's for the season, then the answer <laughs> I, I, I would is really assume, easy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's I'm, true. I'm, I'm going over because I think that USC will punt a few times because the offense is going to have to get into their groove. And every time Ben Griffiths punts, it's going to make me drool. So there you go. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll I'll take the under. Take the under on the Fresno State game. We're just talking that. I'll take the over if we're talking the whole season, obviously. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I'll, I'll take the under strictly because one and a half means you got get two i think i could i could see a situation where se doesn't punt that much in the first game because i think they're going to be wanting to take more risks and i think that i could see a situation where they take a few fourth down gambles i could see a situation which the offense clicks um yeah i'll I'll take the under i'll be risky there uh let's go to chris over under 40 percent of the time usc's offense will run the football I'm actually going over on this. Uh, North Texas's numbers in terms of balance were actually pretty high. Um, And I think that if things go well for USC, which I think at times they will, you'll see USC running out the clock at the end of games. 
which will help balance that out. I'm going to take the over as well. Uh, Give me the over on that, especially early on in the season. Uh, That might change later on as we go, but I'll take the I'll take the over. Moving on, let's go to Goo USC, who says over under six and a half times the special teams will have less than eleven guys on the field. (laughs) That's in the season. Um, I trust that Shotgun Spratling of USCFootball.com will track this for us, and I'm going to go with over because I feel like it happened a couple times a game, every other game, so yeah, yeah the averages will work out to over. Yeah, so to get to seven, it's one every two games. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that that could happen. Uh, give me the, the over on that one as well. Uh, Greg from Woodland Hill says, over or under, three and a half times a backup quarterback gets in the game due to a blowout. Huh. Hmm. Three and a half times. Uh, I have an interesting answer here because I, for talking blowout, I take an under, but I could see it. I could see SC redefine what a blowout is. You mean in terms of like putting in a quarterback when it they're only up by 14 by 15, 15 14 points. Yeah. 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 Like SC's up two touchdowns in the fourth quarter and they're like, we want to see what Keaton Slovis is like. And then they put him in. I could see that I could see that situation where it's not necessarily a blowout, but they want to get Keaton Slovis some reps. Um, that's a little bit too bold for me. I I'm actually gonna go under on this, and I do so just because like I have USC winning eight games, right? But half of those games are games that are I am giving big big old shruggy to of I point. don't know how this is gonna go, so I can't predict even for where I could guarantee you, yeah, USC is not going to need the starting quarterback in the fourth quarter. I think there's a good chance that that will happen, but I can't sit here and predict it at this stage because I don't know enough about USC's opponents and what they're going to be like this season. It's, it's a good point. You just talked me into the under. So we will both agree there and take the under. Uh, Brennan says over under 50,000, sorry, 55,000 in attendance against Fresno State in week one. For reference, SC had 58,708 last year against UNLV. I am taking the under on this, very narrowly under. But like I said before, I think that uh, enthusiasm is quite low. Maybe you'll see it uptick because it's the first day with the the Coliseum renovated. But uh, I think that um, there's a lot of people who may just tune out of USC football this year. I don't know how to do this because I could see a situation where it's over the 55,000 and it's maybe more than the UNLV game from last year, but I just said it was going to be under for the 60,000 as a season average. Yeah. And they're going to draw more against Stanford and against Oregon and against UCLA than they will against Fresno State. So I'll take the under. Um, I, I'm interested in, to see what the attendance is like because... I think it being the first game at the Coliseum since the renovations could impact for the positive or for the negative. Either way, I don't know yet. Uh, So I'll take the under. Uh, Top Trojan fan says over under five and a half badly used timeouts against Fresno State. Uh, I'll go under. That's quite a few timeouts to use badly. Yeah, that's that's too many. It's it's, It's funny, but it's it's under for me. Yeah. If 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 you put it at like two point five, we could have a conversation because you could have a couple on each end of the half and something like that. But yeah, five and five and a half is a lot. 
All right. Uh, Fred says over under 27 and a half total passing touchdowns for USC. It's worth noting that North Texas had 28 last year. USC had 18. I will take the over on this. Uh, I just I just could see USC putting up 30. That's an easy over for me. I think they I think they hit 30, 35. Yeah, we agree. Uh, yep. Uh, rushing touchdowns, 24 and a half is the number SC at 17 last year. North Texas, 25. Huh. Huh. <laughs> I am going to go under on this only because I have a sneaking suspicion that USC is going to score quite a few explosive touchdowns and uh that's going to limit the opportunities for the short yardage i think usc is going to be better at scoring short yardage touchdowns uh, on the ground but they won't need to score as many that's fair uh i think that they could get the over here but i think it will be the uh, the under maybe just so like 23 23. yeah 23 touchdowns something like that which would be under that 24 and a half mark there uh, let's go to ones where we pick the over-under. Uh, Pat Hamblin says, what is the average number of personal fouls slash unsportsmanlike conduct penalties per game? Set the under, and then I'll, I'll start with the over-under. Is this for USC? Yeah. Mm, personal fouls, so that would include pass interference, that kind of thing? Um, Potentially pass interference, but personal roughing fouls. The passer. Talking, roughing the passer, face mask. Late hits. Is 3.5 Tar- too high? Target. Yeah, I think that's high. I was thinking 2.5, but then I thought about, like, just there's some flag-happy refs. If it's 2.5, I'm taking the under. If it's 1.5, I'm taking the over. Well, I'm just Where thinking, like, it? pass interference. You're going to get a couple pass interferences. You're going to get I, a... But pass interference is not a personal foul. Is it not? No. Okay. We're talking late hits, face mask, targeting, uh, roughing the passer, clipping. Well, not always clipping, but it could be. But I, it's, I, I would set the number at one and a half, and I'll take the over for one and a half. Hmm. I think one and a half is too low, though. I'm setting two and a half, and I'm taking the under. See, I think two and a half is too high. I think it would. I think it will be two. Like I think that. Well, that's two what I think. I think it's going to be number. just about exactly two. So yeah. All right. In, in the in that ballpark. All right. Pat Hamlin's second one is over under four hundred yard per passing performances for USC as a team. I think. Uh, I'm going to set the over under at two and a half. Two and a half, four hundred yard passing performances. Okay. I just pulled up North Texas's numbers just to see what Graham Harrell's offense has produced over the last couple of years in terms of 400-yard games. And in 2017, there was one 400-yard passing game. And in 2018, there were two 400-yard passing games. One of them was against Incarnate Word. So <laughs> I'm taking the under on this one. Um, 400 yards is a lot to gain, especially for an offense that is going to want to run the ball. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go with, uh, the under on 2.5. Yeah. I might've set the bar a little too high. Um, cause I'm, I'm looking at it. SC has not had a season in which they had two 400 yard passing performances since 2015. If they were going to uh, do it, this is Co- the offense to do it in though. 
true. Cody Kessler had two in twenty four in twenty fifteen. In twenty fourteen he had two. Uh in twenty thirteen SC didn't do it. They didn't do it last year. Uh twenty twelve had a few. But it's been a while. Cody, uh, Sam Darnold only did it once and that was in a in the game against Penn State. So Yeah. I the one thing I will if it's say two and a half, I, I take the <clears throat> screw it. Give me the over. <laughs> the one thing I will say on this is that I do think that teams might beg USC to run. That's, and that's, that's a good point. USC might accommodate them in that. Uh, but this will also be a passing offense. So With a whole bunch of receivers. If there's Big 12 bad games, then you're looking at a couple of 400-yard games. So, yeah. This yeah really give me the over on two and a half. I know that's bullish. Okay. I'm taking the under. All right. Uh, let's go to uh, Hendy, who says... What? Uh, how many games with a hundred uh, plus yards of rushing? Is this a team or as a player? Uh, if it's a team, I'm gonna say nine and a half. Uh, yeah. Let's see. North Texas had uh three games last year where they were under a hundred yards rushing, and in 2017, five. Yeah, in 2017, <laughs> they had a game with negative three rushing. That's fun. Uh, but they had uh four that were under uh that were under a hundred. So yeah, if you're sort of what what did you what did you say? Nine? You said nine, nine and, and a half. Nine, nine and, and a half. half. Um hmm. I'm taking the oh, I'm taking the over at nine and a half. Maybe that's a little bullish, I know. I, I'm tempted to take the over it as well. But it's it feels kind of bullish, isn't it? Like A little bit. I, I really like USC's running backs though. And like I said, there might be situations where teams beg USC to run. So, right. yeah, I'm going I'm to go over on this one, too. Have a look. SC did it 10 times in 2017. Uh, in 2018, uh, they did it seven times. So, mm, nine and yeah. a half is tough, but I'll take the over. Uh, that, that one might come to bite me in the ass. Uh, let's go to uh, Kaz Zoen, who says, What is the over-under for wins needed for Helton to keep his job? Oh, this one's tough. This has been a big conversation. I think eight, eight and a half. I think Lynn Swan keeps him at seven and five and not Lynn Swan keeps him at eight and four. I think the clear cut answer is if he's the, if he gets to nine and three, I think he's more than likely stays. I think if, if he, he gets go- to nine and three, he stays no matter what happens with the AD. No, I, I think 10 and two, he stays no matter what, most likely. Nine and two, he probably stays. Uh, eight and four, he maybe stays. Seven and five, he most likely does not stay. Six and six, he's definitely gone. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. But so again, saying- context is context is going to matter at all this stuff. Maybe yeah. SC goes ten and two, but gets blown out in two games that were inexplicable, uh, and that ends up telling the story more cool. than anything. I was having a conversation with somebody on Twitter uh, on on Monday about how the problem with the sort of win total question with Helton is that I think timing will have as much to do with it as anything. Because, like, let's say you get blown out by Oregon. You might just pull the trigger there. And it has to be in the wake of one of those bad blowouts. If If you give a couple weeks for everybody to cool down, then... You, then the chances of him sticking around are, are a lot bigger, if that makes sense. Yeah, like I said, context is going to matter uh, big time here. 
Uh, here's another over-under that we missed. Spoo, over-under from Spoo four and a half times USC Twitter will, as a majority, call for Helton to be fired following a win. Four and a half. <laughs> I think it's the over. I I think well okay the the question the well the, so he, as he a majority, tags it with the majority and that's the yeah. thing is that I think with the majority I'll go under but that's fair I think the oh, it's a clear over if if we get if we're talking about anybody yeah anybody or you know two to three anybody's calling right. for Elton to be fired after wins I think that yeah. I would take the over on but. If it's, I think if we're talking about one, people are going to still call him for to, for him to get fired. Yeah. But if we're talking about the majority, then yeah, I would agree. You would take the under on four and a half. Uh, let's go to Scourge to wrap this thing up. He asks us two questions. First one: first play from scrimmage, run or pass? If run, how far? If pass, to who? Oof. I think the first play from scrimmage will be a pass to Amon Ross St. Brown. I think it is a swing pass to Vi Malapai. Oh, I like it. And I want you to win that one. And, <laughs> <laughs> and if it's a run, it is going to be a gain of four yards for Vi. I like it. I like it. Uh, let's go to Scourge's last question. How many yards and points do you think SC could rack up against Arizona? I mean, we talked about this, right? If you don't do 50, so, then you've done something wrong. To, to be fair, he said could. Could? They could get 80. Yeah, that would be fine. I, I'd, I'd be real happy with some, with 70. I mean, could is, is the, the word here, so. But is it a situation where, like, you know how sometimes teams are so bad that you expect... Like a defense is so bad that you expect the great offense to come in and absolutely blow them out of the water, and that's the team that they managed to hold to like thirty three points or something like that. Like, I feel like that might be what's going to happen with USC in, in Arizona, but Arizona is also. I think realistically, if you're SC, you want to score fifty to sixty points in that game. Um, so yeah, I think I think that's to answer the question. Could it's sixty points and seven hundred yards? Um, if could is the answer, if if it's will, I think will is going to be like 45 to 50 points with 500 yards, 550. I think I, I'm going to put the, I'm going to put the, the could at 60 and the will at, uh, well, let's say 42. How about the Sam? <laughs> the mic. Mm -hmm. All right. It's late. We got to wrap this thing up. It's it been is. a while that we've been podcasting. <laughs> uh, it's been a long, a long episode. episode. Thanks for listening as always. We're going to be back on Thursday to preview USA and Fresno State. The first game preview of the season. Thanks as always for listening. Give us your calls. 213-373-1872. Right now, and for the preview, we can throw your voicemail in that episode. We're recording that thing uh, tonight, Tuesday night. So if you get it in quick, we can do that. Uh, if not, call in for the rant line, 213-373-1872. Our email address is reignoftroy at fansided.com. Again, we're having our meetup on Friday night uh, at the Rockin' Brews in El Segundo. Uh, also, don't forget to sign up for 
the Rena Troy Pick'em League on Yahoo Sports. Group ID 9188-9188. Password ROTBOT, R-O-T-B-O-T, all lowercase. Join for bragging rights. It'll be fun. Uh, and Renatory Radio on Patreon. Help support the show. Help us go to road games and get new equipment for the studio and so much more. Uh, and you get a bunch of content, a bunch of bonus episodes for the for the podcast starting at five fifty five a month. And ten bucks, you get our Slack channel. You can talk to us twenty four seven throughout the football season. Plus, you get twenty five percent off all of our Renatory merch at swag.fansire.com. So, fun stuff right there. Uh, as always, we will see you next time. Until then, Lisa, give us a final word. The final word is dunno, as in having done all those predictions, I'm just sticking to I don't know which contracted down is dunno. Dunno. All right. Dunno. What is USC going to do this year? Dunno. Who's a good center for the Habs? Dunno. <laughs> yeah. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll catch you later. See ya. See ya. See ya.